episode 54 of the Metro Fan TV rundown coming to you live um, a second time. Yes, if you're listening to this, uh, this is our second attempt at this episode because the last one died on the cutting room floor because of technical difficulties. Um, it's just me and Juan here today. How are you, sir? I'm all right, Lens. How are you? I'm just mourning the loss of uh, the, the tapes that our, our, our viewers will never get to listen to. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, yeah uh, a, a, a uh, we got we got cyber attacked last week, and so last week's episode went out. And last week's episode was real barn burner. It's 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 a uh, it's because I dissed the Zack Snyder cut. So he's like, oh, yeah. this is how it feels to have material that nobody will ever listen to. <laughs> it's it's a shame. That's why they that's why they called it Suicide Squad. Get it? Ha 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 ha! I don't <laughs> hoy, know where hoy, this hoy, is going. Hoy, hoy. You don't need to flutter me. You don't need All to right. flatter me. This was that was terrible. Um, let's see. Uh, we find ourselves now, right? I think having progressed through the season in a interesting time, right? Because I think something that seemed uh, dead and buried, right, after a bit of a malaise through the summer months, has had a more dramatic comeback than Brett the Hitman Heart in 2015. <laughs> <laughs> We find ourselves on the precipice of qualifying for the playoffs off an eight-game eight undefeated streak, right? Um, going into this game against the team from Brett the Hitman Hart's hometown, the Montreal Impact, right? And, uh, you know, I think um, what's really transpired, I think, since is that uh, we've shifted away from this uh, 442 diamond that's kind of ser- that was kind of serving as like our bread and butter for the opening months of the season and a chance to and uh, sorry and uh, instituted this three at the back um 35 no sorry 4231 uh, uh switching between like a five man back line and like a 4231 configuration basically right yeah. so um these have been the two tactical systems that have kind of clawed us back into it, which is kind of interesting, of course. And uh, I think uh, there's nowhere more apparent where this shows up, right, than our defensive record over the course of, over the course of this uh, undefeated streak prior to the loss against DC, I think, um, earlier this week in midweek. Where I think uh, up until, the, I think uh, there was a point where we'd only given up, I think, two shots on we only gave up like two goals i think over was it like was it like what two goals and like five shots on target over like a four or five game stretch something like that yeah pretty much um like the columbus game the two one against columbus away was like the only time that we had conceded until up until like two or three weeks yeah exactly right and i think um the big, the big thing about this formation change is how much it's it's uh, basically um, how much better it makes the spacing in midfield, right? We talk about the prowess of the back line, the emergence of guys like Sean Nealis and Andres Reyes over the course of the season. But you also have to give credit to um, how less porous the midfield line is, right? I think in the diamond previously, when you kind of had... Um, Two shuttlers in the middle of the field, right? Who weren't really, who didn't really, um, and they had two shuttlers in the middle of the field, and the responsibility of shutting down that 
center part of the field was kind of relying on them to be moving around a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, um, this has kind of helped with that, right? The switch to double pivot with the Sean Davis and Drew Yearwood, right? Because now they're not really being pulled whatever which away all over in the center of the field, right? And mm-hmm. uh, there's basically more stability to that line, right? The spacing is a lot tighter. Um, they have to cover less ground equally as a unit, right? Which I think was kind of like the big thing that was kind of dragging them down in the four four two diamond. Because I think, as we know by now, Davis doesn't really have much of a motor, right? He's a he's a good facilitator, but he's certainly not like a he's not certainly like a guy who's going to cover like a ton of ground, right? Right. With this play. Uh, and of course, I mean, uh, Drew Yearwood, who is more of that kind of player, but, you know, had stamina issues one way or another, but seems to have right. regained his fitness as the season's gone on, that now he's serving, like, quite well as, like, this mobile, you know, sort of, like, hybrid deep-lying playmaker slash, like, um, slash, like, I wouldn't even really say destroyer, right? Like, it's like, it's like, it's like, <laughs> it's like the the position on football manager that would just be like central midfielder right, right? he's like uh <laughs> it's like it's who would i he's kind of like if you took the good qualities of sean davis and ccj and tried to make one player out of them yeah and then uh, as an added bonus made made him more mobile exactly <laughs> Yeah, so I think that's sort of been the big thing, right? I mean, uh, in that four four two diamond, it was looking pretty porous. Teams would just kind of pass through us pretty easily. But now I think with that added body in midfield, like uh, it looks tighter. It gives an added layer of a uh, added defensive line, so that the back line's not like basically having to play emergency defense all the time, right? right. And being stretched. I think that's the most yeah. important thing. It solves the question of um, the four four two diamond needing the two wing or the two fullbacks needing to provide most of the width, but now we can still have players making the width, but without the added worry of having extra space in the back, yeah. um, by having the extra center back there. And then you solve the problem about what does that do to the midfield by just having that like that those two midfielders across. Yeah, it's more. It's it's uh, you, you introduce more of that inside out movement, right? As mm-hmm. we say, like a. Guys are allowed to have a bit more flexibility in where they want to play, like, uh, like because if, if they know like the fullback's streaking up the field, right? They can pinch and they like try and create an overload in the center of the pitch, or uh, you know if they know that the ball's being pushed to one side of the field, for example, right? Fullback can just kind of tuck back in. Midfielder goes out wide to provide their width, and then yes. maybe like create some kind of combination play with like the striker shadowing in that inside left or inside right channel. Right or the attacking midfielder in that inside left inside right channel, and uh, you know I think a key reason for why that was a hint hit why that was executed really really well right is because we had the introduction of a player that that knows how to work those half spaces and those channels and Omir Fernandez right, and I think his absence uh, over the past couple of games has been kind of felt right because we've lost a bit of that right lost a bit of that ability to combine and activate someone. Uh, after creating an overload on one side of the field or another. And right. I think that's sort of been like the big thing about Omir's game, right? Is that it's, it's his off-ball movement and his intelligence and finding space to always create these combination opportunities that we haven't really seen, right? From someone else since in that role. Yeah. 
He's Especially if, if we have like Fabio in there trying to do those things and it's not quite linking up in the way that it's supposed to. We're like, we have, we need Fabio to do Omir things and he can't and he does Fabio things, but the Fabio things are not the things we need in that spot. Yeah. And, and I think that's the problem with this, right? Is that this is a guy who is definitely, I think, who was brought in, I think, to play something, right? Uh, but has been, but has been, kind of shunted to the side due to injury, but also like role changes, right? You still, because he's no longer expected to be the guy like stretching the field, right? By running onto um, balls being played in behind, right? To try and stretch a back line out towards the wide channel and open the space for somebody in the interior to uh, somebody in the center, I should say, to make a secondary run. I follow up in the space that he creates with pulling it out wide. In fact, I think this role is a bit more static, right? It's a bit, I wouldn't say static, but it's not like, it's not as, the, the, the demands aren't quite as, um, the demands aren't quite as dynamic. I don't know, for lack of a better word. Um, in asking them to stretch the back line, right? Instead, it's hunting for half spaces. Right. right, you're not necessarily creating that space. You're um, finding the space that's opening and running into it to create that outlet. Right, and then yeah. he's kind of not really taken to that very well. Right, I think he's sort of struggling in this attacking midfield role. Um, someone who is, however, I think is Patrick Klimala. I have to say, you know, one way or another. Like, I think uh, there's been one thing that's apparent is that he is, his ability to kind of hunt out space, right, has been very, very impressive, I think, over the past few games. It's just that the ball hasn't necessarily hit the back of the net enough times right. to um, justify it, to, to, to kind of really drive home, like, you know, how good he's been at creating chances off the ball, right, for himself in hunting that space that opens up. But, you know, I think as it is, I mean, I think you can kind of understand why he's been the, he's been made the first choice striker now, right? I think he kind of fits a lot more how this team wants to play in this formation. Um, but taking a little back, but taking a look away from the attacking uh, side of things, of course, I think uh, this is where we kind of have to delve into uh, the big thing that's driving this, right? Uh, we talk about how the midfield spacings look better as a result of this formation change. But um, that should not take away from how good the back line itself has been, right? And I think uh, what three at the back particular in particular solves, right, is this developing conundrum that we had, right? It was a good problem to have as the, se- as the season went on, right? As When you have a great young left back in John Tolkien, Right, and you had someone like Andrew Goodman, who was sort of like um, a standout in the early parts of the season. You had this question of how would the minutes be split, right, when the two of them were healthy and available, and three at the back, I think, solved that rather gracefully, right. You have Goodman slotting in as like a left center back in a three-man back line, uh, Tolkien playing out at left back to stretch the field. Or is it like a left wing back, for example, right? Out there. Um, 
and that kind of plays to their respective strengths, right? I mean, I think uh, Tolkien's ability to combine and drive the ball forward has been a pivotal part of uh, this team's uh, resurgence, right? He has definitely proven himself as a very, very handy outlet in his uh, start in his starts over the year. And Goodman, I mean, as we know, is his defensive first left fullback who is, I think, a lot better at reading and intercepting the ball than he is, like, driving forward with it. Right, I think that was on display, unfortunately, against DCU, right? I mean, the guy doesn't really have much of a final ball. He doesn't quite hit his crosses consistently enough to be, I think, an asset. I think he definitely shows more as, you know, yeah, as we mentioned, like, as a, as a left center back, right? I think he showed that perfectly against uh, City, right, where the left flank was just kind of shut down completely because he was a visibility to be everywhere, intercepting balls, uh, winning the ball back and just you know marking marking guys out of the game yeah. adds a lot of defensive balance there. It raises the question of whether or not he comes back next season, or like like if Atlanta um, lets us have the option to buy, or if or if the look of Gutman now is now that we've brought in Lucas Mon right Lucas Monzon his first name is Lucas right or is that yeah right yeah. Wrong? Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lucas Monzon. Now that he now that he's got his first minutes, if if that is the position that he's going to step in in opposed to Gutman, because I guess the question is, if we let Gutman go, then we probably need another player, and then I, I imagine Jason Pendant, whoever that is, uh, <laughs> plays for this club again. <laughs> or if we let that contract go, um, we're going to have to bring in another player to play in that as a left back left wing back otherwise i don't i don't know if there are plans to have monzon play in that position yeah um definitely i could see him play as the um the left center back as we do with the three center back formation but um just by the nature of him having a left foot if if they would slot him into the left back and just let kyle duncan um have the have the upper hand of just like being the fullback to dribble up and down. Yeah, to be honest, I'm. <clears throat> to be honest, I mean, I think uh, I, I I don't think actually that. I don't think Monzon is really going to be providing like depth at fullback for now. I presume he isn't because I haven't. I think just based on, um, what I've seen. Uh, just gleaning off of uh, various websites, right? Um, that he hasn't really gotten a lot of reps at left back enough, right? For me to say that he's accomplished at playing that position at professional level. I mean, I don't think, uh, yeah, I mean, so I mean, I don't think we should assume that he's depth for that position at all, right? For all intents and purposes, um, that remains to be seen. But you do bring up a good point here, right? I mean, I think um, the main benefit for me in bringing back Andrew Goodman is that positional flexibility, right? Because he provides um, he provides serviceable minutes at two key defensive positions, right? I'll be your left back. I'll be at left back. And I'll be at left center back, right? And defensive depth, let alone defensive depth, that's uh, domestic, right? As a valuable commodity, nonetheless. Right. You know, and I think um, it, a lot of it's really going to depend on how much he's going to be asking for. I think he's currently on, like, what, 300-something K, right? 
something like that. I don't know. But like um, the, the, the deal is, is that the, the, the other added um, consideration is the fact that like if we are going into next season, seeing three at the back become more of a fixture, you're going to want to see more than like more than four guys basically that can pinch in at center back positions when needed. Right. right? I think that's the thing that kind of gets overlooked in all of this. Right, we we are not going into next year assuming that we are exclusively playing four man back lines. No, right. I if we're going to be switching between four and five man back lines as we see fit, then it really does make a lot of sense to have at least five, maybe even yeah, I mean like at least five guys who are comfortable playing at the very various positions in that three man back line. Exactly. Right? So that's the value of bringing back Andrew Goodman for me. Um, but, you know, I think, um, I think, uh, if there's anything that I've seen anyway, it seems to me that that left center back position is kind of what is kind of the more, the value that he'll be bringing to this team rather than as the left back outright. Right. I think John Tolkien should be the outright, outright left back slash left wing back penciled into the starting 11 going forward until further notice. Right, I think he's earned those minutes out there on the left. F best starter. Mm, that being said, you know, I think um that being said, you know, I mean again, like the we, we cannot take away from the fact that there is a guy who can pinch in at two of those positions um when called upon, and that's very, very valuable, right? You saw how useful that was to have a guy like Tom Edwards on the other side, right? Even though there are, you know, there are lumps to the game. I mean, like now that we've switched to right wing to the right wing back position, it's pretty clear that Edwards can't really create off the dribble and drive the ball forward in the same way that Kyle Duncan can, right? Like Edwards is kind of better when he uh, gets to surge up the right wing channel a bit late, right? When mm-hmm. the ball's been kind of uh, played into the center to open up that right channel and send in the cross, but to ask him to create off the dribble, right? And this is the thing about most of our fullbacks right now. I don't think any of them are cap- quite capable of creating off the dribble like Haldon can. Right, or any, so any where... player that plays out wide, really. Yeah. And to be honest, I mean, like this is where I kind of have to issue a bit of a mea culpa to Mr. Cal Duncan for being a bit harsh on him earlier this <laughs> season. Because, you know, right. I mean, like now you're trying to see, now you're starting to see, like, I think a bit more of what he brings to the table, right? I think, uh, you know, it's valuable, right? He's the only wingback. He's the only fullback slash wingback who can create the ball, driving it forward, right? I mean, he's not a mere Marino on the ball. Right. No one is, uh, as far no one is on this team, as far as I'm concerned. But you know, I think he's the best of the lot. You know, I think we've seen so far, and I think, uh, you know, the switch to right wingback has really done a lot to um, to help him rebuild a bit of a stock. I think because I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, like we said, you know, I mean, he's the only, like you said, he's the only real wide guy on the team right now who's capable of driving forward with the ball in possession and creating off of it. So, yeah, that was good to see. He's uh, not, is he the best dribbly boy? No, but is he the only dribbly boy we have? Yes. Yeah. Until until Cameron Harper, I don't know, stop stops eating chicken wings. Those spicy chicken wings, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I can't really blame the guy for wanting to do his own version of hot ones because, I mean, uh, wings in America are fucking amazing, dude. I'm not going to lie. 
you, you don't really understand what you have until it's gone. And, You're telling uh, me he can't, he can't get, he could, he wasn't getting nice spicy chicken wings in, in Glasgow. Have you, have you, have you seen what they cook at the uh, chippies in Glasgow? You know, these mad lads. Are you, are you saying, are you saying he was eating nothing but like mashed potatoes and fried pizza? No, I was going to say like, these are the mad lads who threw a Mars bar into a deep fryer and said, oh, that's not, uh, that's fucking delicious. Deep, deep fried iron brew. <laughs> There's deep fried Coke. So I am oh, sure gosh. someone has tried deep fried iron brew at some point. Would It'll I probably try it? Be... Maybe I don't know. I had I had you, you you I got I found an iron brew here uh, in the, in Yonkers, a few towns over from me at the grocery store, and uh, I'm like, this is great. I I don't understand how people can drink this all the time though. I like iron brew. It's great. No, I like iron <laughs> brew, but I'm like every. I, I, this is the second time I've had it, and I'm like, this is not something I should be drinking. All like, you should drink it once a year, really. That was my Hans moment and moment because I will drink it every time, sir. Like, I'm not gonna lie. There's but something like, right, but like, if if you give me the option of like of if you don't give me access to Iron Brew is what I'm saying. It should be a special treat for me. Well, you know, every treat can be a special treat with the right mindset. And that is the right. mindset I adopt of Iron Brew. You know, like I think right. a f- deep fried Iron Brew would be like the Dalgona candy, right? In Squid Game. Oh my God. Just like metal flavored. <laughs> Not even metal <laughs> flavored. It's like, like, how would you describe the Iron Brew taste? It's like a, it's like it's a vaguely like... burnt, like slightly burnt, almost medicinal sweet taste. It's like, um, it's like cream soda and artificial orange flavor and the distinct uh, flavor of like aspartame. <laughs> and for some reason that all all three work together it's pretty amazing it is it is a, this is this is definitely an iron brew uh podcast so um shout out to corporate sponsors to our corporate <laughs> sponsors for this episode uh but i for... guess yeah no keep going thanks for yeah i was like uh, so yeah thanks for the big money injection of a uh, five total runes and a year supply of, of uh, iron brew i'll be putting that out in the press release after the uh after the episode's up anyway yeah uh yeah anything like what was it that you were going to say were you uh... oh i guess we have to i mean <clears throat> if i have points to talk about like the last few weeks of fixtures i don't know if we talked about the, the episode that we lost i don't know um how far back do we go? Well, there's the one one at Philly. We came back into the game, which is better than nothing, right? Then we yeah. have the one nil at Cincinnati, which was so great. Just like the kind of win we needed to get. Andrew Gutman played really well, got the goal. Uh, the one nil against New York. Oh, wait, the one nil against Miami. We should have had more goals. Miami came back into this. We were, I think, one correct VAR call away from dropping two points at home. Uh, but counterpoint, fuck Miami. And uh, Gonzalo Iguain got knocked off his ass. That was pretty fun to watch. Um, 1-0 against New York City FC. Another one where we probably should have gotten more goals in. But pretty great atmosphere, considering we were defending a 1-0 lead for most of the game. Um, and then we have the 2-1 win against Columbus. In Columbus, probably one of the best uh, games we've played all season. Of just mm-hmm. like nicking three points despite um i guess we can talk into because we didn't even talk about that in the last episode but yeah like we 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 really stole three points there 
we we yeah. had a missed penalty and we still got the W. Still won the game, yeah. Big Sean Neal is popping up with the goal in the last minute. Huh? That was pretty yeah. sick. Because uh, I, I think, I think uh, that, that gives a natural seag, I think, into what I wanted to talk about earlier, which was the back line and the emergence that they've had over the course of the season, right? Because, uh, you know, I think um, we're at this juncture now where we've been without Aaron Long for basically, like, five months, you know, and I think uh, this is where we'd uh, start to play three doors down. Uh, I'm here without you as I talk <laughs> about the server, the background, but... Yeah, you know, ever since Aaron Long went down and he departed into the wild into the West, uh, there was a giant void, right, that had to be filled, right? And I think um, I, I feel like we touched upon this earlier on earlier episodes, but you know, the way that Sean Nealis has stepped into that void, right, and taken and up the marshalling duties at that back line, right, as a constant presence throughout the season. While also trying to work with the uh, various center back partners who weren't familiar with uh who weren't really that familiar with uh, how the team wanted to play, A, but B, also, like, uh, in some cases, couldn't even really speak English, right? Like, Conscious Reyes could. You know, that ability to communicate and marshal the back line, you know, I think uh, him and Coronel have taken on, like, a very big share in, like, I think a defensive organization, right? That's oh, inspired yeah. him. I mean, Neela said to himself, like, I speak a bit of Spanish, he speaks a bit of English, that's how we make it work. Yeah. <laughs> There's the photo of uh, I'm trying to remember who it was. I think it was on was it Andres Reyes is like his his, his baby shower I think yeah. right his baby shower and it's just like it's all the Latin players and Sean Neilis on Sean Neilis yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's like I mean like uh, you know I think uh, it's just proof you know I think uh, Long Island is now part of the Global South. I think right. we can all agree. <laughs> right. And to be fair to like Aaron Long, he's also that kind of guy too. I think because you would, I remember him like frequently like uh, saying Spanish stuff to like Fidel Escobar. Yeah, and I think uh, you could compare this to Tim Parker, who probably just spoke in English but added O's and A's to the end of every word. Oh right, like Fidel O, Paso the Ballo to <laughs> Tim O. <laughs> There's like that, 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 like someone made that video about Barcelona, like, pass the ball to me. You pass the ball to me. <laughs> so, they see, like, uh, see, like, uh, I'm not going to delve too far into that because that uh, raises the possibility that somebody posts the Pep Guardiola yelling video that uh, the behind the scenes in city documentary. That Oh, the one where he's like, uh, sit down, nobody talk. Yeah. Drink water, relax. Yeah. Uh, God, I, I I hate I hate that fucking guy so much. Oh you know, my like, God! If I, I I hope he comes back to New York so that I can like borrow a taxi and I can hit him with it. Anyway, <laughs> um, get him out of here. <laughs> anyway, that being said, yeah, I mean that's the deal, right? I mean, I think um, uh, Sean Dealis, I think. You know, I think uh, this last this last gaming game in the goal against Columbus kind of a nice feather in the cap of what's been a fantastic season for him, right? I mean, I think not just in taking up the marshalling abilities, and this is basically a guy who's in his third full professional season, right? Having mostly played the lion's share of that in USL, stepping up here mm-hmm. and proving that he's an MLS caliber center back. I mean, like I'm pretty safe to say that he can start and be good. At MLS level, right? I think he's already exceeded my expectations for him as a player, which I thought 
was going to probably peak at like third or fourth best center back match. But no, I mean, like he's proven that he can be a very solid starter week in, week out, which is great. Yeah. You know, I think um, all power to him. You know, he took he had a big shoes to fill and he's done it commendably, right? I mean, uh, you know, some hospital balls here and there with distribution from the back still. But, you know, I mean, still can't be understated how nice it is to have two center backs who can actually win things in the air. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. That I'm was looking at you, against, Tim Parker. <laughs> right. It's quite notable against the game at home against New York City FC where they were just trying to do like those little chip balls that were exactly at head height. And even like Gubna was getting on the end of them. Yeah. Man. Like him and Reyes are fantastic in the air, aren't they? Like it's it's just really wonderful that people just try and lump shit, beat us with the long ball, and they're just like, no, just yeah. smack that smack that down. I mean, yeah, I think um, like I know it's t- it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see whether or not Aaron Long is the player that he was coming. You know, he that the player the, as good as he was before when he comes back from this injury. Um, if he'll be the same before, but I think like Nealis Reyes and Aaron Long, that's uh, that's that's that that looks like a promising backline. If all three of them would be at their best, yeah, no, 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 definitely, and I, and it kind of kind of comes into uh, what we talk about when we talk about next year, right? I mean, like you look at the center back corps, and there is, you know, I think there is a that what, what thing that's proved over this last run is that we do have a foundation for a really really good team. Right, just look at our defensive record, right, over the last eight games, right, and you look at the personnel that have done it. I mean, like a defensive core of Nealis, Reyes, Long, uh, Monzon. I presume Isiar Germay, even though we haven't seen him yet. Assuming he's on the roster, I think that's. But Germay is going to be like as that low rotation guy. I haven't even really seen him yet. But the fact of the matter is, is that I think we have at least uh, we have three guys who have proven right that. They can be good, right, at MLS level, right? Uh, unknown quantity and two unknown quantities in Monzon. Monzon, who has a lot of potential and has pretty decent pedigree, right? So that's stuff to look forward to, I think, going into next year. Or, um, that is the basis for a really good defensive core, right? So I think the 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 other thing for me is, is that then the question mark, uh, so then the scrutiny moves over to the attack. Right, and if there's one thing that's transpired over the last, I'd say, three or four games, is that we are creating chances. It's just that we're not putting them away, right? So if we get somebody, right, bring in somebody this offseason who can help with that, right, create enough great chances, and then on top of that, like our strikers figure out their yips, right, with finishing. You know, I mean, this has, I mean, I think it would be fair to say, you know, we are we aren't actually that far away from being no. really, really good again. Just based on what we've seen over the last eight games, yeah, you know, and it's not it, even like it's not even like bringing it not not even bringing like another striker to help out Klimala or like to deputize or like that number ten, but it's like, um, Omir Fernandez is another player that I look at that um, when he's hot, he's hot and he's getting his goals and that's tremendous and we, you know how much I love Omir Fernandez, but like one of the interesting things about Omir is that even when he's not scoring, there's always one chance in a match where he almost scores. And you just think, oh, if he, if he just maybe took a better touch or like the millis, you know, the milla, the millimeters were just right. He would have scored there. Yeah. Uh, and he does it every single game. And it's like, I think the point that I had brought up in, in the lost episode was that like, uh, you know, there's a player at Real Madrid, Vinicius Jr. Last season 
who was good. He was getting into good positions. Uh, the problem is his finishing was bad. And now suddenly this season, that's all fixed. And now he's scoring at a great clip. And I'm just like, Lord, I've seen what you've done for others. <laughs> and I want you to do that for me through Omir Fordendez. Or even Patrick Klimala, right? He's got to invoke the Patrick John Paul II shin pads. Like, come on, right. dude. Yes, the lion on one side and and Pope Pope John Paul on the other. <laughs> His like this is like you can imagine Struber being like, now I want you to hold on to your rosary and invoke the spirit of Saint John Paul the Second. Right. <laughs> His the rosary holiness. in one hand and like his his like prayer like his saint the saint tableau bracelet on his other hand it's like the most Polish guy who ever lived. <laughs> I love his Instagram, by the way. Like, I just want to I just want to go on record saying that if you are like shitting on Klimala for having a bit of cockiness and having a bit of confidence in himself, like you're just a fucking herb, dude. Yeah. Like, how could you like not want to root for a guy with that much swagger? Like, seriously. Oh yeah. Like we we like people want to be like, "Oh, he's got to he's got to match what he's talking." Like don't worry about it. Okay, just root for the guy first. First, obviously I'd love to see a guy like that succeed. Okay? Like dissing him for wanting to show a bit of cheek, that's just bullshit. Right. That's lame. He calls he calls himself the devil, and then you go to his Instagram and he's just him smiling, <laughs> smiling, him smiling. Of him. Yeah. Dude, the have a nice day photo was so fucking Have good, a nice right? day. Like, <laughs> Have a nice day, but nice is spelled N-A-J-C, like the Polish sleigh. <laughs> wow, nice. I'm telling you, man. Like, you know, yeah, I mean, like, it, I, I, I think I, I just really want so badly for Klimala to be that guy next year, right? But Omir as well, like you say, right? I mean, this is the thing, right? We, we always say over the last few games, we should have won by more than one goal, right? I, I don't yeah. think we are going to maintain this level of chance creation and not have some of those go in eventually right if that is really the case then like i i I am incensed you know but i i don't see it um going on like this forever um sooner or later you're going to start going in and we're going to put these games out of doubt right and you know if that kind of happens like uh towards the end of the season when we lock it down right i mean you know that's good it does kind of bode well for a potential playoff run as well, but I'm gonna cross that bridge when we get to it, right? Yeah, There's I think no the sense. only other thing, the only other thing we have left off that I think uh, we should go back to that from the last episode was that we had a question, um, a rich vein of discussion about uh, the defense and as it relates to uh, one Carlos Coronel. Um, I think it was at Stadium Chance on Twitter says over the last seven games, the team have conceded five expected goals, but only two goals. That three goal lap is almost half the difference between uh, expected goals against and actual goals against this season. Post shot XG suggests most of that difference is Coronel. So the eye test is right. He looked average or worse for most of the season. Now he looks like one of the best in the leagues, our MVP for this stretch. No question. I can let you elaborate on that. But to me, that feels like a uh, a very uh, a robust and methodical answer of when John Terry said, yeah, you know, uh, uh, uh saves. I don't know why he sounded. I, I tried to do the, the London accent, but he sounded like he was from New Jersey. So apologies. He sounds like Christopher Walken now. So I think John yeah. Terry is Christopher Walken in my canon now. Oh my God. <laughs> this guy, uh, Petacek from Czechoslovakia saves us at least 12 points a season. 
<laughs> and then he yeah. away. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, oh man. Um, yeah, I mean, like, here's the deal, right? I mean, I th so thanks, Chris, for that comment. Uh, shout out to Chris Ashley for sending that in. You know, I think um, it's true, right? I mean, I think uh, earlier this season, you know, I think if you've watched this game enough, you'd kind of know that sometimes, like, adjusting between leagues will result in some jitters for goalkeepers in their first year, let alone a goalkeeper who hadn't really had a lot of minutes, right? In his career previous, like we have to remember that this is essentially his first season as a full-time starter for a senior level team, right? I don't consider leafering senior level, right? Do What's you consider? Yeah, what is a leafering? I'm a fan of the New York Red Bulls. I don't give a fuck, right? Like, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, here's the deal. So that being said, you know, I think uh, he, so now he's being thrust into arguably the biggest stage of his career so far, right? First time he's ever received starters minutes at senior level at any context, right? And I think, uh, you know, it's very, you, you actually do kind of prepare mentally differently as the starter going week in, week out, right? Than you do as like the backup goalkeeper, right? Because you know, as the starter, it's a nailed on starter, knowing that you're going to have to play every single week. It makes, uh, mentally speaking, you know, some of the mistakes that you do, right? Every single thing you do is under that much more scrutiny. And it can be very, damaging to someone's confidence if in that initial run right you know that something you did on a particular goal resulted in the team conceding and that happened a few times earlier this year right we remember the goal against new england that tajan bukhanan scored because he tried to cheat on the cross to the far post right yes gave up the near post result of that you know it's stuff like that that can real you know really affect your confidence and as a result of that affect your decision making Right, which is why the basis of any goalkeeping conversation usually centers on building confidence and building clarity of mind. And part of the mental preparation of that is moving on from dwelling from last week's mistakes. Right, because you have to have that clarity of mind to make split second decisions quickly and sharply. Right. And I think as the season's gone on and as he's gotten and as he's built up more of the confidence, right, most some of those stops that he's been making over the course of the season. You have seen that improvement, right? It's not just in the shot-stopping department. We always knew the shot-stopping was good. But you see the way that he's made his gains and his command of his area, right? The way he comes more confidently off the line to claim crosses now and is punching a lot less than he used to. He's still not punching as little as I might want him to, but at least now he's at a point where he's a lot more active off his line to claim crosses. And that, to me, signals a very confident goalkeeper. Someone who's finally found, like, the belief in their abilities to do these kind of things. And yes, I mean, I agree fully, right? He has cemented himself, arguably, you know, as one of the better goalkeepers in the league, right? He's definitely in that conversation, just based off of, like, what we've seen this season alone. You know, I mean, I think, uh, and why I say that isn't just because of, like, uh, the, the shot stopping, right? When you factor in the distributive ability as well, right? The ability to start attacks with his kicks, right? That is such a vital asset, right? He places that... He places them to uh, places them accurately to a degree that I've never seen any of our other goalkeepers do. Right, Lu Luis Robles couldn't do this. Quite frankly, it always either go out of play, or like uh, <laughs> it'd be hurried and it'd be hashed. Right, but Coronel has that ability to actually place balls on a dime when he wants to, and that is very and that is vital. You know, I think certainly I agree, hundred percent, Chris. Like he is, he has been the MVP. Um, not just, I think, 
over the stretch, but I would say the season. You know, I think how many points has he won is over the course of his undefeated streak and his big saves. A lot of those one nil wins are one nil wins because of, because of a big save, right? I think that'd be very safe to say. Mm-hmm. Um, you think? I think more that this Cornell, aside from his ability as a goalkeeper, I think of any goalkeeper we've ever had. I think uh, of any goalkeeper. <laughs> I think of any goalkeeper we've had. If I wanted to see one of them take a penalty, I would like to see Carlos Cornell take a penalty. Yeah, I mean, he just pressed it into the top corner. <laughs> oh yeah. That, I mean, that's the shit right there, right? And like, <laughs> like, like, like that's how penalties should be, all right? Like, I'm sorry, like, like I don't want to see none of this, like, run up, sachet, sachet, like, fancy Dan bullshit. Just like hammer it into the top corner, son. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that that's the extent that I'm gonna go with yeah. my criticism of uh, penalties. But yeah, I mean, I agree. <laughs> you know, like going back to goalkeeping performances, I agree. You know, he's. Uh, I would be incensed if we do not exercise his option for next year. I will be like Red Bull out if Salzburg takes him back. <laughs> yeah, Salzburg, you don't need. What do you? What do you need a goalkeeper for? You don't need. Yeah, I mean yeah. they've already got three. They've got right? three goalkeepers. Come on it's now. It's like it's like it's. You, you maybe you bring in a better goalkeeper if you're expecting to not get routed every Champions League game that you play in the group stage or whatever. <laughs> it's a, it's for the deep Europa League run this year. You see, uh, they got the a deep Europa League run. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I found out a couple of weeks ago that they basically have their own version of Kyle Rainish and uh, Alexander Valka. Oh yeah, find. the old guy, the old goalkeeper. That yeah, he's the old... been there for... even then he I think he's been there forever, I think. Yeah. And he's played like he he doesn't play very often, but he's just no, literally he just there to be like a warm body. <laughs> yeah, man. You know what? All power to him. All power All to power. him. Get that back. He's wow, he's 38 years old. <laughs> shout out to him. Oh, spent part of his youth career at Werder Bremen. Shout out. Oh, he did he was at Werder Bremen. That was his first club. He didn't play any games there. Werder Bremen, Freiburg. Hansa Rostock. This isn't a bad assortment of teams, despite being in Germany. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. They're all bad teams because they're German. Man. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's not true. But actually, oh, he was technically on the Werder Bremen team that won like the double. That was cool. With well, it was uh, like that was 2008, Ayota. right? 2009 was it? No. Um, well, they won a cup in like 2008, 2009, but like they won the double, I think, in 2004. That was the. Uh, where they had like the big round, uh, the hefty guy, Ailton, the Ailton, yeah, yeah, Ailton, and uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I just, I, just, I think uh, the, 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 the two thousand eight team was more memeable anyway, right? When you had, was that the graffiti, the graffiti? That's the Wolfsburg. Oh, that was Wolfsburg. Never mind. Yeah, I'm yeah. getting my fucking W's crossed. But yeah. anyway. Oh, here's another thing about Valka. Uh, he competed for Germany at the FIFA Youth World Championship 2003, but tested positive for tetrahydrocannabinoil or cannabinoil, the active ingredient in marijuana. <laughs> That's dank, bro. <laughs> bro, this this guy rules. Yeah, he rips actually. Like, actually, can we have him as our backup goalkeeper so that he right. can like uh, he's gonna enjoy the uh, legalized products of New Jersey? Oh my god. <laughs> Make it happen. Yeah, you kids. look at pictures of him now, you'll be like, oh yeah, this guy definitely smokes weed. Yeah, you you want to be a pervert and tell me that AJ Marcucci should be our backup goalkeeper next year? Shut the fuck up. I want this weed <laughs> German guy now. Like, 
fuck out of here with this pedophile sh- bullshit. Anyway. Oh my god. Um, All right. Okay, that's uh, we, we we've gone on a little too long a diatribe, so let's just do the stocks, and I think. Uh... <laughs> oh lord. So stocks. Uh, I will give a stock up to Sean Nealis. I will give a stock up to Andres Reyes. I'm actually just going to give a stock to the backline collectively. So all of them who have played over the last seven or eight games, they all get a stock up for me. Uh, I am going to give a stock up to... Um, I think I've already given one. I'm going to give it to the... Uh, I'm going to give it to... Uh, I will give it to Drew Yearwood, I think. I'm going to, and I'm going to give a final stock up to, um, yeah, you know, I think he's overdue for one, Cal Duncan. But I will make an A side here, right? That if we are going to, you know, uh, diss the manager for getting us into the summer malaise, we also kind of have to give him credit for finding out something that sticks and got us back in the right track, right? Right. So, yeah, I mean, Stock up the Gerhard Schuber for uh, getting out of the weeds for now, I guess, and hopefully yeah. being able to build on this so that we qualify for the playoffs. Um, this last match against DC, you know, I mean, conceding on the road kind of sucks, but, you know, I mean, right. they created enough chances that I thought we could have definitely gotten so- got something out of the game with just a bit of better finishing. Definitely. Right, so and that was definitely... Of, yeah, one of, th- one of the points about Struber is that, like, you have... Like, there are definitely these managers that come into teams and they have, like, oh, yeah, this he plays this particular formation. And you could definitely see lots of cases like that where it's not clicking, but they keep trying to do this formation. He keeps trying to do the diamond and it's still not working. He's still not working. And the excuse would be, like, I just don't have the players to do this. Uh, but rather than that happening, he sort of figured out two systems the team can play to put guys in their best positions. And uh, it's actually quite rare <laughs> if you see, if, if you watch enough. Uh, soccer around the world to have guys who could do that. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, you know. I mean, I think uh, initially, like, uh, I, I was blasting him for the dogma, right? Like, I think being a bit too stubborn with the, how he wanted to set things up. But, you know, I think this last run, you know, the tinkering that he did has has worked out for the best. And now they've come across something that works, right? Something that you know, I think something that we can at least settle upon to help us win games when needed. You know, I think uh, he's definitely. I, I appreciate that he's he's shown that he's not as hope not as hopelessly dogmatic as like I feared. You know, and that they've now just settled on something that works with the personnel that they have in hand, right? So credit to him for getting for getting that. Now just basically since he started doing basically since he started doing those bits with the cans. Yeah. <laughs> He needed the special summer edition to get his head straight. I think he just sits in his office thinking, like, "What? How am I going to get the can in my press press conference this time?" He uh, hired uh, he hired he hired Lord and Miller to help him write these uh, Red Bull <laughs> canned bits. I think, but yeah. Um, so I think stock downs. Um, I'll give a stock down to. Yeah, I think I'm sorry that I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to knock Sean Davis a bit because I think uh, the D. Uh, but I'm going to knock Sean Davis a bit because of. Uh, I think while he hasn't necessarily been bad, I do kind of wonder if like we could get someone in who has more of a passing range than he does. But you know, I think um, I'm not really too um, pressed about that. Yeah. It's a very minor stock down. 
And anyway, I'm not going to diss a guy in a week where his mother wins like TikTok influencer of the year. Okay. Right. And his brother wins the editing, whatever. Yeah. I actually thought he had a pretty good game against DC considering like the bad. It's just like noticeably, like I know, like, oh, big surprise. I'm going to pray Sean Davis again. But like noticeably in this game, there were lots of moments like Losada particularly had like Kanaus and Junior Moreno on his back a lot to try to disrupt his rhythm and he oftentimes he would get the ball with his back turned and the guys were on his back immediately and he was very good at like taking a really deft touch to find it in the space he almost had an assist uh on a the possible Klimala Klimala goal. Right, yeah. right and i'm like i'm like that's yeah i think yeah i think it it's tough that the issue with sean davis is that he's not the kind of player that once he's on the ball he can really like change games in that way that you think of like I don't know, other like number 10s in the league. Not saying that he's a number 10, but like uh, times other midfielders that you would give him the ball and he would, you know, make yeah. that killer pass or whatever. But I think, like he almost had it this game. So I think um, we're still seeing real, we're still seeing good stuff about it. Yeah. No, no, of course, of course. I think uh, his ability to, I think is the, like this ability to, you know, I think uh, hold on to the ball, even when aggressively being counterpressed, right? I think that was the yeah. issue. Right there, but you know, I think my my knocks in this passing range kind of come down to the fact that I kind of want to see someone who has more um, who doesn't float the ball. You know what I mean? I think it's a very weird, petty thing to me get stuck on. But I feel like we do lose a bit of edge in transition because he can't really hit the ball with enough like intent and purpose that it gets down the field as quickly as it should. Right? Like all of his oh, passes kind of float you know what i mean it's oh when you weird. said like the assist for klimala do you mean like the lofted ball over the top that like klimala almost had no 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 i'm just talking more about like what happens like once the ball like gets to him in like possession right and then we need to go down the field in a transition moment i just feel right. like if we have someone who's capable of striking like a harder direct ball with a bit more pace right oh yeah we could probably be a bit deadlier but he's been very good in the role that he's been asked to play, you know. Yeah. But that's the only if anything, I think like the stock down. I thought that did who didn't have a particularly good showing was Yuba Diara. I know I understand that we we want him to succeed, but I thought this particular game, because I feel like the other times we brought him in, like his debut against Sporting Kansas City, we were up against it with like a really good team, and we were trying to figure out stuff, um, trying like trying to figure the team out in this new formation, and so him sort of being that that defensive midfielder in front of the back line and the other times we brought him in were basically to shut down games to like a lot of um particularly like the one nil against nycfc at home of him just like being an outlet trying to like keep possession but in this game we were chasing the game and you were just it just felt like he was a bit slow like definitely not as fast in moving deliberately with the ball but also not quite as fast in sort of the decision making that sean davis did it just like it just seemed slow and like the passes were very telegraphed when he was sitting mm. in them wide or like the trying to dink the balls over the top um not his best game but again again like it wasn't the best game from the whole team anyway so it's like anyway like diara for me like he's 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 damaged goods right as far as i'm concerned i mean like uh like i'm just rooting for him for fun but I don't right. really think he's coming back next year anyway. So, and I mean, like, is this is a loan? guy. He's on loan. Yeah. I mean, okay. like, we, we can just send him back to Salzburg with, like, no no strengths attached. 
Okay. So like he's whatever for me, right? I mean, yes, fair like, enough. Yeah, uh, but I will say, right? I think um, it, it, it's still a guy who missed most of the season with uh, like uh, apparently the world's worst hamstring injury. Like I'm not really sure what happened there. Maybe his hamstring like detached from his bone completely, and they had to like right. His <laughs> his the back of his leg is one long hamstring. It's a rare condition. <laughs> Well, yeah, only 0.07% of the population have it. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, so I kind of understand why. Uh, a stock down, I think I will, I'll give to Fabio. I think that will round out my stock downs. And, you know, I mean, I'm beginning to become very skeptical on whether or not we even bring him back next year. The injury and the formation change haven't really done him any favors. I don't know. I'm not fully convinced that Gerhard Schuber's done with two striker formations per se, but mm. I think we we I still need fact, two strikers. Yeah, we still need two strikers, and I think the fact that we've been making bids for more target forwards, right? Like with the big Croatian lad over the summer, and then uh, now with uh, what's his what's his name. The big Croatian lad over the summer, and then I think uh, we had that uh, momentary uh, link to that guy from Argentina, that Uruguayan Sosa fella. Sanchez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy. Yeah. I think it seems to indicate to me that the team is in the market for someone who is capable of winning more balls in the air with some regularity than Fabio does, because I don't think Fabio really is a target forward at this point. So, yeah, I think, fortunately... I will yeah, have to, I know. Uh, yeah, I know. I know that I said last time, like, oh, we need Fabio to come back just to give us another option. But then it's like, the option would have to be him as a lone striker. Um, the issue was that I think what was the game at was it what was the game at home against? It was against New York City FC where we had him playing as a lone striker in the first half, and then we sub him out for Klamala, and immediately like we look more dangerous with Klamala on the yeah. field. Yeah, um, we do. Which I and I think. In this particular last game against DC, it was a similar situation where we had him in that role that Omir normally plays, um, and he couldn't quite do it. And then we bring in Wiki Carmona, and immediately, like, the combinations were a lot better. It just feels weird. Some, like, he's not as quick in transition as we would like him to be. Um, he combines well enough once we're in the final third, but then it's like the problem is having to get there in the first place. Yeah. That he that he shows some deficiencies in doing, like there isn't it, it isn't enough like where a guy can receive the ball and then turn into quick into space where he just doesn't isn't able to do that, which is weird because like he, I thought he was able to do that earlier in the season and it just it just hasn't been coming off for him. Yeah, exactly. I agree, and you know I think I also think like again like he's a guy who's a who's a striker out and out being played in a slightly more withdrawn position. Right, yeah. and I think he hasn't really figured out the spacing needed to do that as yet. Yeah, like so, whether or not he comes back or not, like at this point, I'm okay saying I'm okay letting him go. I mean, he's such good vibes, but sometimes you know, oh, it, yeah. it just doesn't work out. Yeah, and part of the it's... thing with me is that he's like he has the benefit of like not being Tom Barlow. Yeah. <laughs> no disrespect to young Timothy Barlow, but man, sometimes. Uh, the man has a role, and we've seen him play the role specific, uh, spectacularly. But sometimes it's not what you need. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I kind of—I mean, that kind of does it for me, right? I think that's that's all I really had. So uh, I don't know. Do you have anything else to add, or shall we move on to uh, the next segment? 
Um, I mean, Lucas Monzon made his debut for the team. I don't. I apparently it was for rotations issues and not necessarily that Reyes was injured. But I thought that was a weird time to make that substitution anyway. Um, right. He looked fine. It's interesting to see like an actual center back with a who's left footed. That's not like not like quite like Andrew Gutman. So it's like a guy doing center back things, but like angling his body to his natural side, but it's his left foot, which I'll we have haven't you, seen. I'll, I'll have you know, sir, I'm Rotarik was on this team. How dare you? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I just, everything everything is such a blur, this man. It's, uh, yeah, I literally forgot all about Amro Tarek. Shout out to Amro, man. Like, I always, I always having fun back in Egypt. <laughs> Whatever team he's at, I feel like it's some weird fake team that, like, is made up. El, El Sad. I mean, I know that's El Sad, but this is El Sad. Get it? El Sad. Ha ha ha. No, he's uh, El Guna. He's a Guna, mate. El Guna. <laughs> El Guna. It's an Arsenal, it's an Arsenal team. Gu- Gunasaurus? Right. Yeah, the rascal called Gunasaurus, please. Right. Please Their nicknames are the Goonies. Gunasaurus retired to the Sahara to live out his retirement as the last dinosaur on Earth. Oh, it's, the town is literally a tourist resort. Like, the, that's what the literal, like, the town was founded oh, he sounds in like he's having fun. Oh, yeah. He sounds like he's having fun. Anyway. Looks like a great, looks like a great time. Yeah. Uh, anyway, where were we? Uh... Is there anything yeah, else? Yeah, I think sh- about this DC game, I don't know. I, I'm going to blame View from 202 from being too cocky on their episode right before the game and thinking that like we, we would crush them because uh, I think they played the... I think they they look... They, I can understand getting too cocky because this DC United got shellacked by NYCFC at Yankee Stadium, but then again, those games are fake. And um, I think Losada knew it too because basically at halftime... He made he made all five subs at halftime, and he brought out Gressel, he brought out Pines, he brought out Canals, he brought out Ola Kamara, he brought out uh, Paredes. Like he's like, okay, yeah, this game is fucking fake. I'm gonna bring you guys are gonna come back against the Red Bulls. Yeah, and in hindsight, I think that look that that's a pretty good decision. Not gonna lie. Yeah, uh, pretty shrewd. I mean, um, they 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 made the game shit to play against him, right? And we knew it was yeah. just absolute dog shit. But on top of that, like we just got in our own way with our own finishing. I will yeah, not it was credit tough, Bill Hamid. even when, yeah, even when um, <laughs> Bill Hamid caring about the Atlantic Cup, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. He talked about being OGs. I'm like, yeah, fair, fair enough. Uh, Fuck I out think, of here! I won't credit Bill Hamid for anything in my life. You won't dude. credit Bill Hamid for anything. <laughs> Where did he go again? Besides, did he go to like he went to Norway and then he came back? I don't know. Um, yeah, who cares? <laughs> he's probably the only player on that team that knows like what. The LA, maybe besides Ariola, because I remember he played at that last RFK game. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think we've mentioned it before, but like this game is particularly like the need for John Tolkien and John for the need for Omir Fernandez. I think we we talked less about John Tolkien, but like it it goes to show like how much this the team needs him just for like the shape and the formations we want to play because Gutman can't provide much out wide unless he's like running into channels, like he can't really deliver the balls as much. He does a lot of floated crosses, as you said, that would like Sean Davis would do, but like even worse, like he would hit them a lot at the goalkeeper as well. Yeah. Um, and then Omir just like playing in the half spaces. We just need a guy who can do that. 
bringing in Danny Royer in uh, in the second half, it's just like tough because like you want him in the box, but like every time he got the ball, he was like eighty yards from goal. <laughs> and I'm like, no, yeah. you have to give the ball to someone for them to get <laughs> and then run towards the box. Yeah. It do be like that sometimes. It do be like that sometimes. A frustrating game. I think we had, I looked at the stats, we had 18 shots, we had five shots on goal. The XG was not, not to go to XG, but like, it's, we, I think DC had, had less, had fewer than one XG, and we had like two, two, two expected goals, and I'm like, damn it, like we should have, like usually we should be on the other side of that equation. Yeah. Like exactly. if it's not, if that's how it's going to be, we should be waiting for nil. And if it's the but, but other way, the, we should be waiting one nil. But that's the deal, right? I mean, like, 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 like the those underlying numbers have shown that the chances are being created at a higher volume now. Again, it's just that we haven't converted them. So you know, we keep this level of chance creation up towards the end of the season. We are in with mm-hmm. a decent shout, right? I mean, just because of finishing variance in general, I think like I'm relatively confident in saying that things are on the up. So yeah. Yeah. That being um, said, I think there are, unless you want to talk more about the game, but I think... I actually don't. <laughs> okay. There are three games left. We're playing Montreal at home tomorrow. Other than that, we have the following Wednesday against Atlanta um, at home, and then we'll have one last game away at Nashville. Yeah, and basically, I think the way it shakes out is that if we win two games, we're golden. Yeah. We, we need That's, two wins to, to make it, yes. basically. And we have yeah. to make those home games count. We need to right. make those home games count. Um, the problem with DC is that going into halftime, pretty much every result was in our favor. And then by the end of 90 minutes, every other result in the league went Wasn't. the other way. Yeah, exactly. Mm. It was it was like it was like that la- that uh, World Cup qualifying night where every result in CONCACAF went the other way. But uh, in this case, it's worse because uh, these results are real. Yeah, it's real, but unlike the U.S. men's national team in 2017, we have three games to change our destiny. Exactly. So, you know, I mean, like, my, my outlook for the rest of the season hasn't changed. Just right. win. I'm not, I'm not really in the mood to scoreboard watch. I don't, yeah. I don't know what the form of Montreal is. I don't yeah. know what the form of Atlanta is. Um, I just yeah. know we have to win these games. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even going to sit here and pretend like I know anything about these teams, you guys. Like, I, 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 my, my, my outlook is very simple. Just win. <laughs> yeah because because we are not really focused on the opposition so much as we are focused on this game that we have prepared to close out the episode actually so uh, yeah you want to tell us more about what we've prepared today oh real simple uh i'm going to name a player or no we're not going to name a player this is the original version of this game that i have adapted because now there's only two of us on this podcast yeah. uh, i'm going to pick a player in my head and you're going to pick a player in your head and we will each take turns saying uh in chronological order teams that they've played for uh i guess including the new york these are players that have played for the red bulls but we're going to start and we're going to see who we can guess based on the context clues of the clubs and i guess should we should we add more clues like if i ask what years he played for those teams uh would that be allowed i think uh, actually, let's keep it, let's keep it, let's keep it simple, actually. Like, I kind of like, uh, just having to go off the uh, clubs alone, right? Because I think the, the timelines would be, would make it. Would it make it too obvious? I don't think so, but like. 
No, it, t- it takes away the fun for me, you know, because okay. like I kind of have to think about, oh, w- what kind of journey did this guy have to take, you know? And I think trying to figure out that mystery is right. part of the fun for me. It's like how is like it's like how, how how like how does a guy go from like playing in like fucking Rhode Island to like playing in like South Africa, <laughs> you know that kind right. of thing, you know? So right. yeah, so. I think uh, for this initial phase, we'll just go with just like the clubs and any. Does it have to be in chronological order? I would appreciate if they were in chronological order. I think okay. we didn't go chronological last time, and that really tripped me up. Okay. <laughs> also, one of the clubs was uh, you named the wrong club, or like you you didn't give the. the, the I didn't realize detail. it was Vasco da Gama, South Africa. That's why. Yeah. Right. You picked Dan Lee Borm in the last game, and he mentioned Vasco da Gama, and I had guessed uh, as I think ninety percent of all. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a different Vasco da Gama in the same way that there's somehow a Santos in South Africa as well. And there's a Barcelona in Ecuador. Okay. But anyway, fuck that. Uh, All right. <laughs> You've got your player, right? Yes, I do. I've got my player. Does okay. that, Do you have a preference of going first or should I flip a coin? Yeah, let's flip a coin. Let's uh, leave it up okay. to chance. All right. Heads or tails? Uh, tails. All right. Flip a coin. Heads, you pick tails, right? Yeah. Okay, so I'll go first. Okay, the first player, the first club of this player's career is Manchester United. Jesus fuck, is it Richard Eckersley? It is not Richard Eckersley. Oh, did he, actually, did he, hmm. did he even? No, no, you get one guess. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 I was gonna say there's like two or three possibilities here. Okay, but anyway, um, for me, first club is FC Haka. FC Haka. That's I think that's a Finnish club. Um, am I allowed to look up the Finnish club, or is that cheating? I I I, I think that let, 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 let's uh, say no Google for now. We, okay, we, I won't. We, I we won't are real that. OGs so, only. I, okay, I think FC Haka is a Finnish club, so I'm going to guess uh, Timu Tainio. Well, Jesus, well you got it. Oh, See, damn. that just makes it too easy. <laughs> It's uh, just, yeah, I'm just guessing off Finnish players, right? That's, yeah. I, mean, I think like, this we're... is a good game for us because we're both just huge fucking nerds about this stuff. Well, I mean, like, where else do Finnish players start, right? I mean, like... Exactly. Or uh, <laughs> the, other, the only other Finnish club I could think of is Hoya Cup, the HJK, which is, I like, think, the uh, big club that's there. Doesn't Mika Aritilo play for them once, FM God? Uh, maybe. That's definitely the, the Yari Litmanen club. Who? I don't Yari recognize Lit- who that is. Yari Litmanen? Okay. <laughs> no, I, no, I do. I do. I'm what did I watch to... recently that apparently, um, so, what, was it Europa League? It's got have to have been Europa League. So Europa League, they were playing in Europa League, and they were, they were, they were, they drew Athletic Bilbao which at the time was being coached by Marcelo Bielsa. Yeah. And so Marcelo Bielsa, like, I think from his hotel room or something that was like spying on them, on their coaching, on their sessions from inside the stadium. It was super weird. I think, and I think they, they might've beaten them at home, which was, I watched those clips and it's very funny just to watch like the, uh, the finish highlights. Okay. Anyway, we can talk about Hoya Cup another time. The next team on this player's career um, Academia Coimbra. If he starts at Manchester United, right, it, it's either if it's not Richard Eckersley, 
I, I would probably think the only other guy that I can think of is Kenny Cooper. It is Kenny Cooper. Yeah, I mean, like... Very nice. <laughs> there are, like, maybe, what? like, two or three guys that, like, yeah. played for Manchester United and the New York Ripples. What's... Okay, so can you read out the list of uh, of of uh, Timu Tainio's clubs where he went? It goes from FC Hakka to Osher, then Tottenham Hotspur. Sunderland has a year on loan at Birmingham City, goes to Ajax, goes to the Red Bulls from Ajax, then ends his, uh, ends his um, career at HJK Helsinki, which I think is the... Uh, That's Hoya Cup, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even going to pretend like I know how to pronounce that, so yeah. Hoya Cup. It's all, it's all fake to me. It's all fake. <laughs> I don't, he's I don't finished. Recognize, <laughs> he's not I don't, finished. I, I he's don't recognize. I don't recognize the sovereignty of the Nordic nations. I don't give a fuck. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's a fake language. Denmark it, is fake. It, it's all moomins over there. Denmark is fake. Sweden sucks and is full of losers. Finland is a Finland is a is a counter revolutionary country, but Norway is cool. Yeah. <laughs> Norway's fine. Norway Norway fucking rips. <laughs> anyway, yeah. shout out to Drillo. Yes. <laughs> All right. Okay. Kenny Cooper's clubs. This very interesting list of clubs. So he from he was at Manchester United from 2004 to 2006. Zero league games. He goes on loan to Academia Coimbra. He goes on loan again to Oldham Athletic. Then he goes to FC Dallas. Then he goes to 1860 Munich. Then he goes on loan to Plymouth Argyle. Um. Huh, did he did he overlap with Bradley Wright Phillips? I'm gonna check that right now. Then he goes to Portland Timbers, then he goes to New York Red Bulls, then FC Dallas, then Seattle Sounders, then Montreal Impact, and then he goes to FC Montreal, which is not a fake team, which is a fake team. I'm just that was the that was the team. USL like that was our USL team. Yeah, I'm like, their USL team. You. Yeah, hold on, let me see. because uh, you never know how many guys like overlap with each other. I mean, uh, once you get down to the lower leagues of England, it's a real meat grinder down there. <laughs> like, I found out the other day that, like, uh, that both, like, because Bradley Wright Phillips also played at, he played at Brentford, but so did Mike Grella. And I'm like, oh, did they overlap too? Wow, Kenny Cooper and BWP overlapped at Plymouth Argyle. I, I, I guess the challenge to anybody would be, can you name anyone else who's ever played for Plymouth Argyle other than these two? <laughs> other than these two? I don't know. Uh, Paul. Oh, Watton maybe did, did is the only guy that I can think of. <laughs> Wait, what? Did Yannick Bellasi also play at Plymouth Argyle? Let's see. Did he? I have no idea. To I be think honest. so, because that because I know that he's friends with he's friends with Bradley Wright. Yeah, he did. He did. That's where they overlapped as well. Oh, so that's I, where the Lord of the Mics episode. That's comes where from. it comes from. Yeah, <laughs> I, if you watch the Lord of the Mics with Bradley Wright Phillips and Yannick Bellasi. I, I I ordered the tape that had AK on it. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Bradley had some fucking. He he's retired, but he's got some bars on it. Because you know he uh, says he he was in a relegation battle. (laughs) He saw the feet like a football tackle. No goals. I feel so sorry for you. I'm like, oh, son. (laughs) Son. 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 Blah blah blah. Jamaican air horns. Oh my god, that that was so good. Like I think the last. Lassie's verse sucked. I'm sorry. But like BWP, he laid it the fuck down. Just annihilated him. It's the only time I've ever liked Grime in my life was that was that one verse. <laughs> oh man. But I love the voiceovers, right? With the terrible like dun, 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 
truck. No, and then the, the guy's like a super hardo. He's like, you go about battles between Ghostface and AK. And I'm like, who the fuck are like any of these guys? <laughs> like, <laughs> Little Greasy. Oh, what? It's like, Young B. <laughs> 365. <laughs> like, and then, what? And, and then, Greg. Like, what? Just Greg? <laughs> no, 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 no. You see, it's it's, it's like the bakery because it's always open. Get it? Ha ha. Ha ha. Ha ha. Sorry. Um, oh, yeah. man. Anyway. Yeah, I remember when, I, when we had, you know, like, it, all, all, all this really needs, right, is that we need um, Patrick Klimala to uh, put a video of himself, like, singing, like, I don't know, like, what's a Polish folk song? I don't know. Whatever that is. Whatever, yeah. Turk, whatever, like, Polish uh, dance music he can get himself onto. I was going to say Kalinka, but I think I'd be killed for racism against Polish people oh, yeah. for saying that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we would need, uh, so someone remix Hello Guys, Patrick is here. <laughs> As oh like yeah, the DJ, hmm. as the DJ sting. Hmm, it's almost like I think someone has done that before. But I'm not really sure who. I think this. <laughs> Shout out to Peach for that remix, by the way. That was fucking fire earlier this year. Like, oh, he did the Patrick is here one. Yeah, the Patrick is here remix was a was a Peach was a Peach's Chang special. <laughs> oh man! Shout out to Peach, uh, number one producer in the uh, in the podcast universe, I guess. Peach's yes. Chang, but yeah. What were we talking about again? We went on a really long. We were playing the game, and we were done with the game. I don't know. Do you want to play? And where? What time? Where we are for time? We're like one sixteen. Yeah, you want to do another one? Uh, I didn't have one prepared. Uh, I mean, just I mean, just think of a name. I mean, just try to think of. Let me think. Um, let's let's try one. Uh, does it have to be in chronological order still? I mean, it. Okay, let this one we don't have to. Let's try that. So this is, this is gonna me... be they're gonna be like the this is like the this is like the hard level, which I think would be fun. Okay, so let me let me make sure let me find one. So he I went first last time, right? Yeah. Okay. If it's down to me, that's uh do we do we count youth career or no? Uh Let's not count youth career. All right. Okay. Because start... in most cases, yeah, because sometimes it'll be like colleges. And I'm like, ah, no, let's not do that. So <laughs> pro- we professional start, clubs only. We start at Macclesfield Town. Macclesfield Town. Is it Luke Rogers? No, it is not wow. Luke Rogers. One of, one of, one of, one club that he has not played for in England. <laughs> Out of like the 30 clubs he's played for. That should be the next game, actually. Like name name, name clubs that Luke, in England that Luke Rogers hasn't played. That for. is that is kind of the game that the original version of this game. Okay, my player. Uh, so, n- not counting youth career, his first professional club is the Thunder Bay Chill. It has to be some Canadian guy or a USL dude. Is it Dwayne De Rosario? It is not Dwayne De Rosario. Okay. Uh... So he goes from Macclesfield Town to the New York Red Bulls, actually. Okay. Um, to the New York Red Bulls, not like the Metro Stars. Okay. Yeah. Macclesfield Town to the New York Red Bulls. It. I am going to guess. Damn, I don't know. Uh I have to think of one. I think I have to think of one. Is it? 
is it Richard Jack? It's not Richard Eckersley. It's not Richard that's, Eckersley, okay. no. Right. Okay. You're that's, but that's still in order. Yeah, it is. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, I didn't have a guy, so it doesn't matter if I, whether or not I picked. Okay. Next, next is uh, Colorado Rapids. So Thunder Bay chill to the Colorado Rapids. Um, I don't know if he's necessarily Canadian. I feel like you have to be. To be honest, I'm stumped. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll skip. You'll skip. Okay, your player. Uh, goes to Orlando City from Macclesfield Town. Uh, sorry, from the oh. New York Red Bulls. From the New York Red Bulls to Orlando City. Oh man. Because this is a this is a recent guy, man. Ah, <laughs> oh. I'm I complete blank. I might have to pass too. Yeah, I'm gonna pass. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's not gonna get much easier from here, actually. Okay. Well, you never know. Okay. Next player. Next. Uh, next team on this list: Portland Timbers. Let's see. So Colorado Rapids, Portland Timbers, probably a guy who passed. I feel like it's Salzizo. Is it Salzizo? It is not Salzizo. Did Salzizo play for the Portland Timbers? I actually, I think he no did. Idea. Yeah. Yeah. I think he did. Yeah. It's not Salvatore. Okay. Okay. So from Orlando City, he goes to Barnsley. Barnsley. Oh my God. He's like he's got to be English, but like who, who is English that has played for the team that I don't know of? It's no, it, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not him. It's Barnsley. Oh, I can't. I'm not the past two. <laughs> okay. This is definitely hard mode. You weren't wrong about that. Okay, so after the Portland Timbers, he goes to the New York Red Bulls. Okay, so a guy from the Timbers that we took from we trade for from Portland. Trade for from Portland. I feel like I feel like I'm missing something out here because I don't think uh, um, from the Portland Timbers. The only I mean, like we 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 signed Aaron Long from Timbers to to New York Ripples too, but I don't think it's him. And anyway, he doesn't start his his career in fucking Canada. Um, shit. Mm, I presume he's a Canadian dude, but I'm not really sure who that would be. Um, Eric Alexander. It is not Eric Alexander. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm really just stabbing in the dark here. Yeah, that this is also quite difficult. I think. Okay. From from Barnsley he goes to Bury. <laughs> oh my god. I'm really just trying to build off of like the last guys we've named, but I'm like he went from Macclesfield to the New York Red Bulls. Yeah. But then he but then he goes to Orlando, so it's like Is this is this I, am I allowed to ask is this MLS Orlando or is this yeah, it's Orlando's. Well, um, technically, it it's not. It's not MLS Orlando. 
it's okay you sell orlando okay that actually that's quite helpful because then that's putting the, the time range in um so oh, for your benefit it is it is the uh, the Portland Timbers in this is in fact the new the the MLS Portland Timbers not USL Portland Timbers. So that's post 2014, I think. Is it wait. Wait, no, post 2011. Yeah. So I okay. Um is it is it John Rooney? Yes. Oh wow. I just went for the fa- for the fam- for the for the less famous younger brother rep. I got you. But yeah, yeah, that was really tripping me up. The fact that it was Orlando after New York Red Bulls. But now like now that I've asked that it was the USL team that that like put everything in perspective. Okay. Wow. That's a good one, though. <laughs> That's a good shout. Okay, the next. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna have to pronounce this one. It's uh, Widzew Wodz, which is a Polish club, after, which is the team he goes to after the New York Red Bulls. What the fuck? Who did we sell? To? Who the fuck did we sell to some Polish team? I know he's, an, he's probably an American journeyman. Right. Like, Their nicknames, I, I, Cervona Armia or Cervono Bialo Cervoni. <laughs> that's not going to be much help. <laughs> it's not. It's, no, it's not helpful. But I just wanted to say Bialo Cervoni on the I podcast. Get, I get it. I get it. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it really doesn't get easier. Uh, do you want me to name like just the rest of the clubs for yeah, you? Yeah, let, let, let's see if it tries to narrow it down. But I'm okay. Not really after Vidsev, after Vidsev Vos, Vods, he goes to Atlanta Silverbacks, Rio OKC, Tulsa Roughnecks, and USL, right? USL Nashville Soccer Club. Yes. It's not Kosuke Kimura. He's it is Kosuke Kimura. Is it actually Kosuke Kimura? It is Kosuke Kimura. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> he goes from college in Western Illinois to Thunder Bay Chill, which uh, that tripped you up because you suddenly you were thinking uh, if, that he was Canadian. Um, yeah. And then um, Colorado Rapids, where he won MLS Cup, and then Portland, then blah blah. You, you know, you know. I needed to get to Nashville to like think of Kosuke Kimura because, like, I remember that they was like their big. He he was a signing, I think. For them, yeah, I think either the first or second year in, in USL, which was kind of a big yeah. deal at the time. It was pretty cool yeah. to see him end up there, and I remember that being his last club. So it was. Well, we got there eventually. We got there eventually. Kimura's <laughs> career in organized soccer began at the youth team of Kawasaki Frontale. At the yeah, that would have like been a dead for. giveaway. That would have been a dead giveaway. <laughs> uh, and then he went to, on a scholarship to Western Illinois, blah, 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 blah. Because so, it's like, how many Japanese players have played for this team? Exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. Could have had more if you uh, took uh, Okugawa on loan, please. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> next year, next year, next year. Anyway. Next year. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, well, that was, uh, that, was, that, that was the game. So, yeah, thanks a lot for putting that together. It'll be good. It'll be good off-season content. We can do a mega palooza version of that oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah and i think that also does it for us in retro fan tv uh, this week so i think we go into the game against the montreal impact uh this weekend i i don't know what time it starts um, it's like at three or four i think it's yeah there's four. no way i'm watching this fucking game <laughs> no. are you gonna watch the uh i will talk about it after that but the the j league cup final or whatever uh might uh, it depends on whether or not, like, uh, yeah, I'm available. But yeah, oh man, tomorrow at four o'clock in the morning. Jesus fucking Christ! Yeah, I, I will not be there for that, unfortunately. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah. That being said, just win these fucking games. 
That's all I'm asking. Win. We just win. Just win the, the fucking games. games. This. <laughs> this is um, playoffs. I just want to win a game. To <laughs> then get into the playoffs. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I kind of dig. Uh, yeah. Jim Mora is our spirit. Is going to be the uh, frame of reference that we take for this. Two uh, managers that with the initials Jet JM. <laughs> Jesse Marsh, Jim Mora. I don't know who Jesse Marsh is. Oh. Um, Did he go here? <laughs> he was, uh, I think he's one of the guys from. Uh, he's one of the villains from Pokemon. Oh, okay. <laughs> he he he's the cat, right? Right. Anyway. Yep. Jesse and James. Je- Jesse Marsh, James Mora. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Anyway. anyway. Yes, Metrofan TV saying, um, stay safe. Uh, drive safely. Uh, and never, and if you ever get in trouble, just call Selena and Barnes. Metrofan TV saying, peace. Bye-bye. Hey, hey 1-888-69420. <laughs> That's my social security number. Oh, shit. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs>